0: Man, I could talk about this for hours, brother. Um, You know, I think what makes me a good artist is that I'm very sensitive, so I feel. System to Ebola that was dismantled, all of those kinds of things, man, it's just irresponsible. So I know that for me, I can't influence what others do, but I can do my 100%. So I'm definitely going to be, you know, i made the commitment. I'm definitely going to be more involved in the process of moving our country forward, you know, making it live up to its creed, making it be everything that it can be. Um, you know, my little bit, you know, and hopefully my little bit moves something or helps something. Um, that's what I'm resolved to do.
1: I, I tell you, that's the reason why we have chosen you to be the creator of the month for the Creativity Cocktail and the Rise and Ties Charity. Because everything you just said, that is not just about yourself. It's about what you can give and what you contribute. And you're, you're saying that in the future, like you're going to do it. But I'm telling you, brother, you do that already. Mm-hmm. Thank you. you. You have inspired yeah. me, you know, on many levels and many times. Your ability to synergize the business acumen that's necessary to get something done mm-hmm. with the creativity that needs to get something done is something that is inspiring to a lot of people. And I've seen you, I've seen you talk about people on, on stage and talk about them with reverence, about their talent and about their skills. I've physically seen it. Mm-hmm. Man, that is awesome, man. That, that, that is awesome. So tell a little bit of people about yourself, because I know you're from Augusta. uh, Georgia. I I always tell the story that the one time I went to Georgia, I mean, Augusta, I went and I walked downtown, Augusta, and I went into this little uh, costume shop there. And uh, the lady in there, she knew your name. She knew your name clearly and everything that you were doing. She was like, yes, he comes in all the time because he's putting on productions here in Augusta. (laughs) And at, at that time, I didn't know who you were. But every right. time I think about you, I was like, You made such an impact on Augusta. And now you're doing the same thing here in Atlanta.
0: Yeah, that that's probably Uli. Yeah. Redhead yeah. woman. Yeah. Very yeah. nice. She's she's incredible, man. Well, for me it, it's necessity, you know, is one piece of it and it's 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 cultural and tradition is another piece of it. And and I think the largest piece is is spirit. Um, so I'll start with that, man. It's I remember at a low point in my life, um um I was like, okay, Father, what do you want me to do? I was just tired. I had tried so many ways to just, you know, become rich and famous. That was kind of the gold in my immaturity. And, um, and it, it wasn't working for me. I said, okay, God, what do you want me to do? If you want me to go over here and mop floors, I'm gonna do that and be happy. I'm just tired of the, the internal, you know, dysfunction. And um, nothing came for a while, but over time, I just got in my spirit. It was like, God was like, Tony, tell my stories. So I said, okay. And I thought it was biblical story. So I'm deeper in the church and I'm doing, you know, I'm a Christian. So I'm deeper in the church and I'm doing the life of Jesus, the Easter play and that kind of stuff. And
1: yeah, I heard about even
0: though, Yeah, even though I f- it felt good, I realized that wasn't it. I was like, this, this is not it. And then um, I got a contract with an organization down in Augusta called communities and schools. And um, they do a lot of, you know, aversion programs for kids at risk and there was a number of kids that were in the alternative school they had issues in the traditional school so they sent them to this alternative school so they brought me in to do some theater with all my accolades and degrees and education i wanted to come in and do august wilson or shakespeare these kids weren't interested and after hitting the brick wall enough i sat. we sat down in, in a circle and i began to talk to them i said let me get to know them and find out what they may be interested in and what i realized is that their stories were more compelling and interesting and diverse and unique as anything Shakespeare, August Wilson wrote. And I'm like, ha. So I developed a show based on their life, you know, short monologues and um, short scenes. And it was one of the best productions I'd ever done. Those kids ripped it. They had no theater experience, but they loved it because they knew the material. And in that moment, I knew it. I said, aha, this is it. Testimonial Theater. You know, um, I said, this is it because it said we overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, you know, Revelation 12 11 and I because for so many years, I didn't want to speak. I was embarrassed about my struggle. I was embarrassed about my failures, you, you know, um, but now I speak speak it very freely. And I think for those kids, they got an opportunity to share what was in them because people were always talking to them, but nobody was listening. And I said, this is this is it. So that has become a pattern for me that I pull material from people that I actually know. I change the names and scenarios, um, you know, to main people's privacy and, and that kind of thing and, and add a lot of creative license. But like from my play, for example, somewhere in Somerville, it was, oh, yes, I remember that man.
1: That was, that yeah. was, that was a yeah. milestone on many levels. It's fantastic.
0: People love it. People love it. But, I know those people. I can tell you the names of each one of those characters. You know, these are people that I've that I've worked with. So I think I think that's a that's a I think that's a significant part of my brand. And it kind of goes to what you know many, you know, educators might tell you, right about what you know. So I take my own life experiences and I mix it. So that's where the spiritual part comes in. I think um, giving voice to things, saying stuff, you know the complex beauty and i'm secular even though i'm a christian i, I try to be authentic to it so there, there may be language there may be adult topics i don't do anything vulgar um that's just not my my mo but you know i i, I want to present something as that person who's who lived that experience would live it so that's what i try to bring to, to my to my work um so, so that so that that's a piece of it on the advocacy side tr- when i said tradition um, my mother came from a family of nine and, you know, we grew up in South Carolina and they were very close. Their ethic was every day they got up and work. Sundays we went to church. After that, there was a little bit of work to do. And it just that was their pattern. They will work you under the table. But I guess that go all the way back to the legacy of slavery, because typically they would keep the the stronger and most durable Africans right there in in the state, you know, at one point the 90% of the population of South Carolina was, was black and, you know, it made South Carolina one of the richest States in the South. So my family still maintains that legacy of just great work ethic. They, they, they don't, it's like, they don't know how to rest. They get up and go, they get up and go. So we learned it. So I got that good work ethic. Um, What I didn't know how to do, is run a business, because all of my, my my the people that I grew up around, they were solid workers, great people, worked 30, 40 years on a job, retired. Very few did anything entrepreneurial, so I had to learn that. Um, and so when I learned these lessons, because I was so close to my family, and we always shared, I, I'm, I was, uh, naturally teach. So it's like, look, this is how you do this, this is how you do this, this is how you do this, because I wanna see our people be empowered. Um, Yes. You know, um, I love the beauty of who we are. And I, you know, it's like I don't want people to go through the struggles that I went through. And I think about so many people that came before me, brother. I, I look at like the Dick Gregory's and the Nina Simones and the James Brown's, how they, you know, Paul Robeson, how they use their art as a way to impact society. And um, I remember when over you the know, years, a number of, I you remember know. a number, over the, yeah
1: i gonna say we owe it to them, right? Right? We owe yeah. it to people because they what they laid that foundation, and so what you're doing is laying it for the next group of people.
0: Right, and that and that's well, what occurred to me.
1: All those kids you mentioned, they're not gonna remember your name for the rest of their life. Yeah, no they they Thank remember. You, they
0: are. But you know, to kind of kind of complete my point, it's like, it, it occurred to me, it's like. I remember Nina Simone had passed away. James Brown had passed away. Dick Gregory passed away. Maya Angelou passed away. It was like that whole generation of significant voices were gone. And I'm like, well, who are those voices now? And then again, in my spirit, it's like, well, you can be one of those voices again, do your 100%. You know, what way what things can you do to impact your community? I'm not going to go out and, you know, stand on a, you know, with a bullhorn and, and pull up group together but the people that come into my life and I can impact them in a certain way I can say hey you know and and it shows up and right now I'm mentoring about 16 people you know and I'm pushing them all to be producers because a lot a lot of them are actors and I'm like look I remember that space did you say 16 people yeah 16 people
1: wow yeah
0: And and I remember that space of being an actor and waiting on that opportunity I'm like you know what I'm waiting on that perfect role that really showed the world what I can do, and it never came. It never came, and that's what kind of like I said, necessity being the mother, of it, mother of invention. It kind of moved me into writing. I'm like, okay, let me write that role. Okay, I wrote it. Now what do I do? Okay, let me learn how to do this, direct. Okay, um, all right. Now I got to put the pieces together. How do you market? How do you do this? How do you? And the next thing you know. I just learned the process organically from concept to completion. Um, so now I, I, I encourage people to do that. I'm like, look, if you want, if you want to fast track your career, you know what you're good at. You know what who you are. Develop a role that best shows the world who you are, and that's your introduction to the world. And so, and learn how to put that together, and you never have to audition again. You can greenlight your own projects, even small. But you can you're now the master of your own fate.
1: That is so, awesome. You know, something you said about advocacy that I wanted to kind of keep going here. And that is about with everything that's going on these days, everyone's got to find their way, right? Way mm-hmm. to advocate for whatever it might be. So some people, it may be to comment on social media, mm-hmm. but some people, it might be to go out and protest. And, mm-hmm. and, and for people like us, is to tell stories and to help other people mm-hmm. tell their stories. You know, that is such an amazing thing. So let me ask you, um, you've been, you've come here to Atlanta from Mm -hmm. uh, Augusta. I don't recall how many years you've been here, but it's been relatively soon or short, relatively. Right. Tell us about your vibe, the vibe of the Atlanta creative community versus Augusta.
0: Okay. Yeah. Let let me go back because you asked me who I was. Uh Um, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a theater producer, I'm a graphic artist. Basically, I'm a producer, director, writer, actor in the world of film, television, and theater. Uh, But I also do photography, graphic design, and advocacy out of necessity and as a way to kind of complete that that whole thing. That's who I am and that's what I spend my life doing and I'm grateful for that. Um, uh, I left corporate America back in 2008 and from 2008 to 2011, I got my butt handed to me. Um, I had skills in the arts and knew how to be creative, but I did not know how to run a business. Going from being an employee to an employer, employer business owner, was a tremendous transition, and those three years just broke me and crushed me and cr- yeah, it, it was tough. But I'm still standing, man, and I thank God for that. So. Um, I have durable lessons on this is how you do it. This is how you prioritize. This is you know, on and on. So that's a part of who I am. And I think that experience was so horrendous for me. the survival, the the mental, the 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 work that's required to really get a business up and running, um, that i I definitely want to share it with people because it's like, it's like, dude, I don't want you to go through that. So before you go through that, make sure you do this, 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 this. And, and some people listen and others don't think what you're saying is relevant until they get deeper in because I'm 25 years in. So I got a lot to pull from. And if they're a year one, it may be hard for them to understand me at year 25. Gotcha. But I'm like, look, if you hear me, you won't have to go through this, but you know, sometimes they don't. And then later they come back and like, man, you were right on point. I'm like, I know it's not that I want it to be right. It's just, it is what it is. You, you, you know, you cannot cheat the process. Um, but you're talking about Augusta versus Atlanta. Um, you, you know, the Augusta is a, a more of an industrial town. It's, um, it's my home. I love it. My family's there. My wife's family there. Um, but, there isn't a market truly for the things that I was good at. If I wanted to be, you know, in in medicine or education, you know, government, et cetera, even manufacturing, there were a lot of opportunities. But to be creative, it was hard to sustain that. Um, But somehow I was able to survive being a full-time artist in Augusta. It wasn't always graceful, but I, I did. So I think that was a vetting process for me. Another unique thing about Augusta, I think it's less competitive. Um, so when I had a group of actors on a project, that was pretty much their only project. So we could do a lot of work, gotcha. you know? Sometimes we'd rehearse eight hours a day, you know? We'd get off work and just Ooh. grind, get off work and grind. So the level of production, the level of production was higher than what I've been able to do here in Atlanta because I developed that pattern and and I was accustomed to what Augusta would do. But these actors in Atlanta, man, they have six, seven, eight projects going on simultaneously and their time is very scarce. And if you can't pay them for the premium on their time, you know, you can't really demand a lot. So that's been the struggle for me in Atlanta. Um, And there's a lot of brilliant people doing amazing work. That that excites me, Um, that there are so many different voices. I know filmmakers who are doing, great things in this arena and and playwrights who are doing great things in that arena. And I think, and and to me, there's no saturation. There's room for all of it because like I said, for many generations, our stories weren't told. We had a very flat distorted vision of who we were and what our black American experience is. So now you're seeing Ava DuVernay with her zone. You're seeing Spike with his zone and Tyler Perry with his zone and you're seeing playwrights each with their zone you know and so
1: you mentioned you mentioned some names so you are inspiring so many people and you've got a lot of people you're mentoring who has inspired you or is inspiring you right now
0: L- well locally <laughs> um and and uh shout out to everybody who's out there doing their thing and everybody that i've come across but there's some people that just truly stand out um, there's an actress named Raina Houston. Hmm. Um, she's got it. She is Raina nasty. Houston. Raina Houston, like Rain and then a Raina. Raina Houston. She is. Look out for her, brother. She's she's coming to do some amazing things. Um, you know Darian D'Aguiu. Um, oh
1: yeah, yes, he's fantastic. He's a great
0: filmmaker. He 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 just has a a knack for telling a story you can feel it. It's visceral. It's energetic. He did this, he did this uh, piece with uh, Jason and Darrell and Naomi, um, um, Naomi Mack and Jason Louder, Darrell Lyons and um, and Naomi Mack called Pony. And it was just brilliant. I was like, this is excellent. Film um, side house of June. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just, their combination, their experience, the way they work well together, I mean, it's just created a wonderful body of work. As a producer, I would love to get resources to say, here, go make this genius work that I know you're capable of. Because I think that's what a lot of them are missing. They don't have the resources. They're underfunded, understaffed. They cannot fully execute their vision. And, and there are many more. I think Nas Panky is a brilliant writer. Oh, she, wrote she wrote a five-minute
1: We had her on yeah. the podcast, and she, her story is amazing. She's awesome.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, she wrote a five-minute piece that, that I was just like, this girl can write, um, and I can just I can just keep going on and on. I mean, there's there's there's, there's tons of it, man. There is truly a renaissance. Um, I think Atlanta is really going to own that moniker of Black Hollywood. Before it was Hollywood coming and taking advantage in a great way of the, the economic platform they created for making films here. You know, non-union, tax incentives, all of those things are attractive to bring, yes. you know, film production here, which is great. But that next phase of that is you're going to see projects that originate in this soil coming up from the independent film community, the independent theater community, the independent television community, homegrown projects. You're going to see those come up that have a very distinctive voice, you know. Well, when um, you think
1: about that? When you think about that, that homegrown, coming post-pandemic, right? Whatever that might look like. Do you have Mm -hmm. any thoughts or ideas? How do you think the world will be post-pandemic with all of the work that we do as creators?
0: A number of things. One, I think people are gonna be a lot more courageous. Um, I think people are gonna be a lot more forthright. Because before, there was an element of, oh, let's be politically correct. One of the good things about our current president is that he took kind of political correctness off the table. No matter how difficult it was to hear, he'd say whatever was on his mind. And I think that is matriculating across America, where people are we're, 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 we're communicating from a different place of truth now, good or bad, yes. you know, good or bad, bad. Um, that people true people are not trying to sugarcoat and candy coat things. So now we get a better idea of what someone may be really saying or what they really feel. And I think that's going to be reflected in art, that people are going to not worry about being so politically, politically correct in their plays in their short films and their television series, their web series. They're going to, they're going to say it and build projects like they feel it. So they're going to be a lot more bold, a lot more courageous, um, because they're tired, you know, um, you know when we see somebody like Dylan go down to Charleston and shoot nine people in a church, and he comes into and they they stop him by McDonald's to get him something to eat, whereas you got this black man who's not armed and he's dead, and he didn't kill anybody. This guy who kills nine people is treated with kid gloves, but this one who you may have had whatever dispute was going on is now dead. I mean th- those things don't quate and I think we're starting to see that, and uh, yeah. people are but just frustrated. i
1: told a lot about that is that people were getting killed, right? So at the AME Baptist Church and um, and, and Floyd, everyone's getting killed. And then you've got this group of people, and and I hate to be political, but people who know me know that I'm not the most political person in the world. But when it comes to certain principles, and one of them is the life of human beings, I feel a certain way. You can't kill human beings. Right. No matter who they are. You right. can't kill him. And so you can't, so whether you're on a guy's neck or you're coming to a church is kill, and it's all murder mm-hmm. to me. And the God that I love, one of his commandments says thou shalt not kill. Right. Period. It's period. not in a certain circumstance. It's just, you just can't do it. Period.
0: It's, it's, I will say this too, man. It's going to be a difficult period because talking to a lot of my peers... Um, who happen to look like me, who happen to be African-Americans and coming from the African diaspora, they're they're really hurt by the silence of many white people. And many of us have very diverse friends and coworkers and colleagues and that kind of thing. And that's bothering them. It's like, how can you sit the sidelines and not say anything about what we are seeing? It hurts, because I probably, two of my best friends, are, are one is an old Jewish lady, Another one is, a, is, a, is an Irish, Michael's, who is a, a middle aged Irish woman. I mean, they are, those are my aces, you know, because we've had some collective experiences together. And um, we're able to talk about that, you know, because I truly want to love all my seven billion, almost eight billion brothers and sisters on the planet. Yeah, but, you know. The same
1: way as you are. All eight billion of these people that live on this earth are valuable. Right. 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 But some people. For any reason. You know, unless you're, you're self-defense, perhaps, but otherwise, than that, killing that man, I tell you, it, 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 it's really, really uh, painful for me. And then there's a part of group of part, there's a part of the people in this world who have got that cognitive dissidence, dissidence, mm-hmm. that thinks that because a person is from one part of the world or another, or something that they've made up, that they 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 are less valuable, and mm-hmm. that's not the truth that's that's not the truth i love every single person i've ever encountered now that's my naive naive naivete but that's okay to be that
0: way yeah yeah
1: it's okay to be that way let them sort it out let them create the home but i'm not the one to create the home
0: you know what and and you 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 hit the nail on the head for me brother because i the god i know has said the greatest of these is love I may not be a master at all the other commandments and all the ways that I'm supposed to be, so I said, you know what? Let me work on love. If I get that, I think that's going to cover a lot of bases on me. So I try to lead through the world with love. But when you see this stuff happen and you're constantly hurt and others seem not to care or diminish what your people are going through, it, it puts it, it 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 makes it very difficult.
1: It's hard. So you know, I stay
0: I stay in God's face. I'm like, God, come on, this you know. And I just think about all of the stuff on many generations, how the abuse that our people have had to endure, from the civil rights movement to black codes to Jim Crow to Reconstruction to the era of slavery. You know, it's like when is this gonna stop?
1: Yeah, you know? The only commandment that I recall that I've lived by, that I, you know, is the covenant that Jesus created, that just says, "Love one another like I've loved you." That's it. I don't want to remember another thing. Nothing else really matters to me. All those things that you mentioned, all of those terrible things that have happened to us and other people in the world. Because it's not just us, you know, there's there's, just like, for example, migrant groups of people or people at the south part of China that have, because their complexion is one way or the other, they get that same cognitive dissonance. Yeah. They get the same thing that happens. And it's just not, in my opinion, I was reading this book called A Rare Earth. And it's about the fact, there's a lot of scientific reasons why Earth, human beings, might be one of the only types. There's there's countless planets that exist in the universe. But we might be rare. And there's Mm -hmm. lots of things that makes me think that, oh my gosh, God maybe really did put us there. Jupiter sucks up everything that could hit this Earth like a vacuum cleaner, Mm -hmm. as an example. There's so many reasons why we should, we are here. We are at the perfect part away from the sun for life for us to exist here and for us to be pissed off because my complexion is this or to put one person in prison versus another because you didn't like where they came, came from. That, that that That's crazy. And that's not yeah. who we are. And that's why I focus, we focus on the creativity cocktail in God has given us the ability to create something, mm-hmm. to create something. And every single person I've ever met has that ability. They just suppress it for whatever reason someone yeah. tells them that hey you should you should be this or you should be that as opposed to who they are
0: right and and, and again kind of kind of dovetailing what you were saying you know what are we going to look like on the other side of this pandemic on the other side of some of these tragic um, deaths that have happened to black men across the country and other racist incidents i think we're going to see a little bit more isolation i've run into a number of them that they, they want to isolate from certain other nationalities. And um, I think that's the wrong answer, but I understand the sentiment because if I stick my hand in the fire and it gets burnt, I don't want to put my hand back in that fire. And that is their result because it's like, you don't seem to care. You see this stuff happening again and again, and you sit silent. So many of them are starting to say, you know what, forget it. You know, and I, I don't think that's a healthy way for our community to be too. So If our Latino, Asian, Jewish, you know, um, and Caucasian brothers and sisters don't step up and be a part of this national conversation, I think we're going to see a a very fragmented America um, Mm -hmm. because black people are hurt. And we don't want to talk about baseball when this dude has just been killed. We don't want to talk about Big Macs or cartoons or anything else when you're kind of ignoring the elephant in the room. You know what I mean? The elephant in the room is how America has a distorted perception of who black people are and how there's so much institutional layers of things against us. This law against us, this law against us, this hiring practice. You lose your right to vote. You lose your right to get a passport. Your communities don't have this. I mean, just layers of it. And we notice it. We yeah. feel it, we see it, we live it every day. And we're just tired of it. It was like, you know what, not en- enough.
1: Yeah, I tell you, I, I do I do get some solace. So like I looked at a lot of people who protest and just in my own personal life. You mentioned some people that are that are close to you in your life. The people who have been there for me in my life and the people I saw out there protesting, they were there's everybody. You know. So there are people who are trying to do right by the rest of the world they just are are. they're more of them than there are who are not um Mm -hmm. you know we just have to constantly keep focusing on the fact that that's not the case Uh, i was listening to uh the mayor here of atlanta and how she was enraged yesterday yes really really upset about the what was going on and and she made a lot of good points about whether this was not kind of what martin luther king junior like what his position would have been mm-hmm. and i sat there and i listened to it and i said oh my gosh this is a kind of a, a want to say a tipping point but it's getting closer yes. so we going we going around Absolutely. a curve <laughs> there is yes. no about it you know when you get mayors across the world and across the country that are doing that are saying these authentic things she weren't saying mm-hmm. anything to her. she was saying what she was feeling when you see that, I think you're so right. The stories that will burgeon from this, burgeon from this, every single person right now should be thinking about the story, about what's going on with them or what's going on with others around them and how they can bring that story to life. And I'm not saying they should write a play or a screenplay, but there's many ways. There's novels, right. stories, there's podcasts, there's conversations, there's panels, there's all these ways that people can tell their own stories. Because that, to me, that's one way to beat it. That's one way to get this, to get to change the world, is to tell what's going on. And if Tony Henson was here with us, you know what she'd say. She'd say mm-hmm. we must tell our stories.
0: We must tell our stories, absolutely. And, and to kind of dovetail what you were saying, too, from a philosophical standpoint, you had uh, George Washington Carver and W.E.B., you know, was it Booker T. Washington and George Washington Carver?
1: Booker it's, T. Washington said- was talking about the specific, you know, that we should work on trades and W.E. The Boy was a a different, coming from a different perspective, yeah.
0: Exactly. But then, you know, you you jump a generation after that, then you get the Malcolm and Martin, you know, nonviolent, you know, resistance versus by any means necessary. I think you're seeing, and this is the danger of it, you're seeing more and more people moving away from Martin and closer to Malcolm saying by any means necessary. And we're seeing it. Things are on fire. They're attacking police cars. They're burning buildings because we tried the nonviolent resistance, and it it hasn't gotten the result that those group of people want. So they're they're pushing. They're they're going a little further. Yeah. I so think our country is going to have to deal with this issue, man. Because I think I think people are on the scale closer to the Malcolm edge of it now.
1: Yeah, um, that's unfortunate because I believe MLK's view. I think that's going back to spirituality. I think that's a long-term view about how do we solve it. It's harder, obviously. And he—he he you know, if he was here with us, he was, obviously—it was, it was hard. They were both hard because they both sacrificed their lives for it. Absolutely. But it, it's hard to be nonviolent when you got somebody who's doing violent stuff to you all yeah. of the time. And this country—fast forward fifty-some years from now. So from then, so now we're in a country where there's 330 million Americans. And there's 330
0: mm-hmm. million guns. Yeah. I'll tell and, you. And brother, those, you know, guns, those guns are
1: in the hand of a third of the, of the people in the country.
0: <laughs> right. But but you know what? When Obama was, President Obama was running for office, he talked about in the South, we we're clutching our guns and our Bibles. Well, that's me. Because I have my gun and I have my Bible. Because, you know, I'm going to use that Bible to guide my life and the foundation for my decision making. But don't come up in here messing with my family. You know, I I, just do do not not come up in here messing with my family at all.
1: I I tell you, I've been traumatized and I I appreciate you because you may need to defend me because I tell you, um, my personal trauma with guns has been tough. I've lost family members. I saw a man when I was growing up in New York killed in front of me. Um, And uh, that had an effect on everything from that point on in my life. You know, I I didn't get a, I didn't shoot a gun until I, until five years ago, and I wow. tell you, when when I shot it, a, friend, a, a Caucasian friend of mine took me to a gun range, and he had a forty four Magnum. When I hit Man. that gun, I, I totally understood how people feel when they shoot guns. I, I, oh it, yeah, it, 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 yes. <laughs> I totally understood it like in, in one second, and it felt like I had like a nuclear bomb in my hand
0: you feel the power, brother. Yeah. Yeah. And you realize it's not something to play with. Oh yeah. Use, use irresponsibly, man. Yeah. That's what, you know, that I'm very, we're very cautious with it, man. But you know, this, you know, it's a response, man, because so many people are buying guns. It just makes you, you don't want to get caught with your, you know, your head in the sand, you you know, um, Because you see stuff like The Walking Dead and, and, and with this pandemic going on, that maybe that's not so far-fetched. Not that we're going to be walking around zombies, but maybe there'll be a lot of people walking around sick and trying and you, to come in your house and raid your cupboard. <laughs> you, you know? You don't that's know not, that,
1: that, virus, that virus is a powerful enemy. It's yeah. floating in your voice. Uh, people mm-hmm. can be asymptomatic right now talking to somebody else and pass it to them and they don't know. Absolutely like and and it's not it's not even the virus that's the most powerful enemy, it's the fear of the virus.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I think we need to you know, like some scientists I've been keeping up with it because I know how to, you know, you know, leading different productions. I I gotta know how to move forward. And it's we do need to build up some immunity, we need to get out there and kind of let people get exposed. And I'm I'm very cautious about this because I don't want to miscommunicate anything, but let people get exposed so we can build up natural antibiotic and a natural resistance to it because if we stay isolated we're not going to have those improvements and enhancements in our internal you know immune system so we we can't walk away from it we can't isolate forever we we got to get out there and face this thing allow our bodies to adjust um unfortunately there will be some casualties um you know i don't want to be insensitive to to those who, who Succumb, but you know, we 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 cannot we cannot live in, in in fear. We have to we have to, you know, incorporate science, be wise, you know, follow health guidance. But you know, it's going to be difficult to maybe get a vaccine for eight billion people immediately. So we're going to have to let our natural systems begin to adapt. You know, and that's what some scientists are saying. That's going to take a little time. That, that's why many are guiding, build your immune systems, you know, doing things to drinking warm liquids. Just build your immune system. So if you expose, your body can begin to deal with the virus.
1: You know, you know I, was until, to, I was listening to, it, uh, um, to someone recently where a lot of, there's just such an opportunity for us to build our immunity at this time. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's you know vitamins or exercise or our diet and that kind of thing you know mm-hmm. there's so many we have been ingesting all of us including myself all kinds of things for years mm-hmm. and, you know, that that we just shouldn't that would make us more susceptible to what to this virus the earth is kind of giving us like an interesting lesson you know yes yeah. since, since this virus has happened pollution in the hardest places or the hardest hit places in the world is going down by 30%. There's
0: Absolutely.
1: Gas costs a dollar, you know, for whatever it is. Right? Less production, uh, less production, which creates more fossil fuels, uh, agricultural production that creates fossil carbon dioxide in the air. There's all kinds of things that are happening. People may, I don't know if this, this part is true, but people may be aware of their diet, you know, mm-hmm. more than they've ever been because they just don't have the opportunity to go and to ingest all of the manufactured stuff we've been making for the last three decades. You know, People are realizing that they don't necessarily have to eat all of the bad stuff that they have. that they've yeah. eaten in their life. They just realize And going outside to take a walk, or whatever, there's more vitamin D in there than it's anywhere else.
0: Right.
1: I mean, that's part of that immunity that you're talking about. That's part of that thing as well. Yeah.
0: And, you know, me and my wife have found joy, man, in cooking, you know, sure. because, you know, yeah. being reluctant to go to restaurants where you don't know what their standards of cleanliness are, because, you know, a lot of them are low-wage workers. You know, you get some food, and who knows what their sanitation is, and then you end up bringing something home. So we've yeah. been cooking a lot. We'll run in the grocery store, grab what we need, and come home. So my, it's I, been I, great. I, because I, we've been
1: My working. 21-year-old son, he has learned how to cook over the last couple of months. Like yeah. before that, he didn't cook or he just got whatever we would make. And now he's been cooking. He cooked
0: dinner three nights a week now. Yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? So it, that's that's been a joy. And it's a way to love each other, man. My wife cooks with so much love. I cook with so much love. Our son enjoys it. It's been that downtime has been great for my nuclear family. We've we really connected. We loved on each other. We've enjoyed each other. It's been wonderful in that sense. Absolutely wonderful. And like I said, it's given me some downtime with God to kind of go within. It's like, you know, to look at myself, to kind of catch up on some things internally. It's been a good season. And now, as this is coming to a close, I'm closing this one, one chapter, and now I'm getting ready to move into another chapter. And I think I'm cleaner. I'm pruned. I'm more focused. Um, I'm clearer. i um, about certain things i'm more courageous about certain things um, i've released certain things because you know sometimes you hold on to stuff and it's like you let go That's you right. know so it's been a, it's been a good process for me and I, the process continues um but i but i see the growth already and, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that you know
1: awesome. um, so I, I tell you i appreciate you joining us today the creativity cocktail really started mm-hmm. and it, it came from the the feeling that we had, where we knew there were people that were creative, but they just weren't expressing it. And and I personally lost people in my life to violence and suicide mm-hmm. that were creative. And then later on, we'd find out that they had this treasure trove of creative stuff that they were afraid or they didn't want to share with the world. So our hope is that someone out there right now who's saying ah, I can't be creative, they tell me I can't do that, I can't get paid being creative, or I can't live a life being creative. That they will listen to your voice and what you shared today, Anthony, and take one bit of it and say, you know what? I can be that person. I, I can be creative. And so, if you were having a conversation with that person, wherever they are on the earth, and it's just you and them talking right now, and they say, Anthony, what should I do? What should I start first? What's the first well, thing? Okay. You to do? What, well, what's what's
0: and I don't want to be preachy, but I'm going to use I'm going to use biblical principles because they're, they're the most durable for me. And I think the principles in the Bible and other spiritual texts are universal. And we see that again and again. That is the foundation. you got to stand on something strong. Um, it's like tonight, own self be true. And it said the truth should set you free. Right. you got to live in truth. you got to That's be right. honest about who you really are. Don't go out into the world and try to be something that you're not because you're not going to reach the fullest potential of your life. The world needs that diversity. We don't need another Denzel. We don't need another Spielberg. We don't need another Tyler Perry. We need you.
1: That's right, yes.
0: So I would say reach into your uniqueness and your gift and your perspective, your point of view, your passion, and release that to the world and and make that fully emancipated. That becomes a foundation for your creativity. Um, And another spiritual principle, thy gifts will make room for you. I'm a living witness. I, I do this full time. I don't have a job, job, quote, unquote. So and it was like I said, those first three years from 2008 to 2011, I got my behind handed to me. I knew I had this creative gift, but I had no idea how to run a business. I learned that. And you can learn that over time, that um, you can figure out a way to generate enough income to grow your business and take care of your home. I don't need to make a million dollars now. I get to customize my life. I get to spend the maximum amount of time with my wife and kid, and every day I work up, I, I wake up. I'm doing the work that I love to do, and I get paid for that. Mm-hmm. It, that's life for me, you, you know. Of course, I may not have some of the things that other people have, but I, I'm okay with that. Like I said, going from being an employee to an employer, it was a lifestyle shift for me. It was a psychic change. Um, so I would say embrace that. Um, Another thing I would tell them is, is uh, you got to surround yourself with good counsel. Because I had five degrees when I left my job, I thought I knew how to run a business. No, because much of what I was taught was corporate based. You know, the accounting, finance, the marketing, all of the stuff I learned, the MBA was, was geared towards if you go out and you work for a corporation, you'll be able to matriculate into that environment very well and be successful. But what about if you're a business owner? What about if you're an entrepreneur? That's a whole nother, it's a whole nother ball game, especially when you're underfunded and understaffed. How do you grow your business? How do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you have to listen to people who've done it. You have to listen to people who actually know, because I had to learn how to prioritize because uh, here's one example. On my job, I put in 80 hours, say in a week, full week, working like crazy. I get a check. For my as business, I can put in that same 80 hours and not get any money. So you learn to focus on the things that pay you first, right? Yeah, that time. Understand truly what your priorities are because you're putting in the work. You're putting in that same amount of time, that energy. But if you're not focusing on the things that pay you, you're not going to eat. And if mm-hmm. I get it wrong, I don't eat because I don't have a job to fall back on. So the incentive to get it right. um, the last thing, because there's so many more, I mean, I can talk about this for an hour because there's so many lessons that I've learned. Because I failed so many times. I hit the brick wall a thousand times, probably literally, <laughs> you, you know? Um, but uh, another, another big lesson is, is just start moving. Yeah. You, know, you don't need to, you don't need to know everything now. Just take the first step and then somehow that second step will be somewhat evident. And then you take that sec- third step and you just keep moving. Keep Whatever you do, don't stop. Just, just, just keep moving and you'll pick up things along, along the way. Momentum um,
1: determines our destination, right? Just got to keep yeah. going. Sometimes we just can't wait for it to all happen to start. Just got to start. You know, right. You know. And you said something that I think a lot of people don't understand. And I really want us to kind of maybe close out on this. Is that real wealth in this world is not about stuff. It's right. not about what you have. It's not about where you live. It's not about what you got or even where you go on vacation. None of that stuff is real. The real wealth is the relationships you have in your life. That's Absolutely. real. And when in our last moments on this earth, none of us are going to be thinking about whether we had the nicest iPhone, whether we had the nicest car. You know, we're going to think about what, how big our house was. That's going to be totally irrelevant to all of us. Right. right. We're going to remember
0: who loved us. Right who do you love That's the mm-hmm. only thing that's going to be on online right the only yeah thing. yeah you 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 make, you make a good point man, because I didn't realize that too. I thought I think I needed years ago the validation of money and things because that seemed to be the mark of success. Um,
1: yeah, I had to learn that too
0: but I, but I don't because right now I can go out and probably get a bigger car, but I'm like, ah, eh, I can get a nicer this. but I'm like they don't mean. What they used to mean for me, I think I needed those things when I was younger and more insecure. But now I'm like, mm mm. My life is, is wonderful. I wake up, I come down the hall, I get in my office, I work. I'm able to cook lunches for my wife, and we sit down and have lunch together. And I can get back to work, and then I go out and I'm doing productions out in the community. And like, my life is built. My my work is built into my life, and. I have the maximum flexibility, you know, when each project, I can decide not to take a project or to take a project. I can take a couple of months off and I can go to Costa Rica for a couple of months and still be able to function because there's an element of my business that's online, that kind of freedom, you know, and that's the kind of freedom I want to give my son. It's like, find what you're good at, who you really are, something that's connected to who you are, what you're passionate about and build a business from that. It can be done. I don't want my son to ever have a job. I want him to find what he's good at and figure out a way to build a business. I'm hoping my life will be an example. I'll say this one last thing that's huge for me. It's probably one of the most significant. Again, I remember at a low point when I was kind of angry with God. It's like I know I'm supposed to be doing this and I'm supposed to be in this space, you know, not that this is you know God's will that I make a play, but you know who he created me to be is a part of of his will. This is the, what it's in me genetically and all of that kind of thing is in his will. How I manifest that probably is up to me, but I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I know it at the core of me, but it was difficult for me to do that. There were no resources. I'm like, and I was thinking, I don't have this and I don't have that and I don't have this. And, and I was angry for a, a good period of time there. And again, God put in my spirit, he said, use what you got. And I'm like, I don't have anything, because I thought what I needed was going to come in the form of a big check. Somebody's going to write me a big check, and I'm going to make that amazing film. Somebody's going to write me a big check, and I'm going to be able to tour that play. But many of those blessings came in ways that I didn't think they would, because God began to point out to me, this lady will let you use her building. These actors are willing to work with you for free. They're willing to help you behind the scenes. And I was like, huh, there it is right there that the blessings are going to come in ways that i don't expect so i I've, i've learned one of my approaches especially in independent production is kind of see what's available and kind of build a strategy from that it's like okay this is what's available to us what can we do from that and that's the kind of innovation that's the kind of flexibility that i've had to to adapt as an entrepreneur because I may never get that million dollar check to make that huge project, but you know, I can get projects done and God willing they'll grow organically. Okay. We hit this mark this time and God willing, next time we go a little further. So for those you asked that question, for those who um trying to get into this space and begin this journey, learn to look and think 360, because some of the things that you need to move forward may not come in a form that you expect, yeah. you know, Sure. They, the, so you just gotta you gotta learn to see if you genuinely know you need that resource to move forward. It's probably there, but maybe not in the form that you would expect.
1: It's It's been so amazing to have you, brother. Um, I, I tell you, it's just been really amazing. I tell you right now, I love you. I love everything you do. You thank you, a- brother. How can people? connect with you if they want to know more about what's going on with you blue bistro creative what are, what are some ways that they can connect with you
0: um well long term you can be you'll be able to connect through our website anthonyrpage.com and that's p-a-g-e is my last name or blue Creative.com. but those sites are under construction because we're revamping everything so you'll probably get a splash page but um blue bistro creative on Facebook, if you Google that, you'll, there's 10 pages. We got them broken down based on our operations. So there's one for the film and video activity. There's one for theater activity. There's one for the photography stuff that I've done, the graphic design stuff I've done. So you'll see that if you Google Blue Bistro Creative on Facebook. Um, most social media, if you go to anthony.r.page, you'll see me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Blogger, Facebook, um, that kind of thing. That's also my email. So those are ways that you can get in touch with me. And I'm open. You know, um, sometimes I've had some bad experiences mentoring people. I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna do that again. Then God sends me somebody else. I'm like, see, <laughs> you know, you can't get away from it. I know that's a part of my mantle. I'm like, no, I'm tired because I'm these people don't know. They, they, they take and take and take from me, they don't give back. And I'm like, I'm not mentoring any more people, and then God'll have somebody come. Hey, and I'm like, okay, let's go, and I'll start teaching. That's, that's right. just a part of my mantle, man. And and it's, I know it. I know it spiritually. I'm supposed to give. I know it. That's, th- there's something in line that when I learn something, I have to teach. Some of the things that I've learned to some of these people who are willing to listen. Um, yeah, and sometimes when you're teaching these people, they don't, they don't value what you've given them until later, like I did.
1: Yeah. And I was in
0: my later. Like, later, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When I was in my 20s, there was a gentleman told me, he said, you're a director. I'm like, no, 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 I'm an actor and I want to do this. And I, I, I didn't hear the wisdom that he was giving me. But later, when I came to directing and, I, and it just felt so right, I said, ah, had I listened, maybe I could have gotten to certain things sooner. But, you know, again, my pride came before my fall. So yeah. there so, you go.
1: For all of those that are out there, Anthony, we hope that you can join us again. Um, yeah. All of those who listen to the Creativity Cocktail, we are so excited about where we are. Um, Over the last last few months, we have started to see lots of people listen to this in different parts of the world. Thank you to Australia and Bermuda, and recently had several several people in India that listen to this, uh, listen to what we're doing. What we do just translates everywhere, and because every single person, no matter where you are, you are part of what we do. If you want to hear more about what we've got, obviously go to riseandtidescharity.org. Uh, you will find us on all of the social media platforms. This conversation itself, for those of you who were live today and joined us, I know some people are coming in and out. Thank you so much for joining us. You're going to see this as well. We're going to have this edited up even more. We will have some bonus contact content for those of you who want to check it out on YouTube and VMO and all these different places. We want to thank so much, Anthony, our page for joining us today. Anthony, you are a phenomenal brother, and you are the creator of the month here for us. Thank you.
0: Thank you, brother. Certainly appreciate it, man. We're humble, but man, we take nothing for granted. Thank you for having us on. We really appreciate it.
1: Take care, everyone.
0: All right. Take care.